Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Well, welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall. I've got my co-host, Bruce Weiner with me today, and we have a new face, new face to our show, but not new face to us. This is Ty Crandall with Credit Suite. Good morning, Ty. It's actually afternoon. I'm sorry. (laughs) Good afternoon, Ty. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And so here's what we're talking about. We're talking about how to get business credit and how to do it quickly or fast. It's a better word for that. So if you need capital in your business, fast. We talk about capital, your need for capital, storing capital, having a place to reserve cash. We talk about that all the time on the show. But here's the thing. There are going to be times that you have not stored up the capital and you need someone else's cash and you're maybe not just using your life insurance policy and you need to get access to a loan or a line of credit. And here's the thing. When you need access to cash is not the time to handle all of the internal workings of your financial health of the inside of your business, but it's absolutely necessary. So kind of like looking at what's going on inside of your arteries and and your cholesterol and your blood pressure and and all of that, we're going to look at today because we're talking about business credit. It might sound very super uncool, but I promise Ty is a very cool guy and he's going to explain things in a way that absolutely makes sense and is going to really leave you looking to improve your business credit. So it's time now to think about the qualification process for credit. So Ty, you are a recognized expert in this industry. I'm going to let you tell everyone all about this on the show. So welcome again to the Money Advantage. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, So I'll get started a little bit, I guess, and tell you a little bit about my background and kind of what brought me here. Yeah, go ahead and yeah, share your story. How did you get into credit in the first place? Well, the first company I ever owned was a mortgage company and I owned it back in 2006, seven. And I just thought I was a rock star. I'm like, wow, I'm just a natural entrepreneur because I grew it to be seven figures pretty quickly, which apparently is like, you know, pretty easy to do when mortgages were spiking like they are the same as we're seeing with real estate now. And then I was there and rode that out until uh, everything collapsed. And at that point I was doing jumbo loans. My entire segment of that industry went away overnight. And we went from producing a lot of money to producing no money. Uh, and not even having an ability to produce money. We couldn't even mm. place loans. The lenders weren't even accepting loans uh, for six months and what we were doing and then well beyond. So I kind of went through this process of building a successful business and then being there and watching it fail. And I, like a lot of business owners, personally guaranteed credit lines, credit cards, didn't think much about it. But then the problem was, was as I started to you know go late on some things for the business. Those then showed up on my personal credit report and a couple of things happened that I hadn't accounted for. I thought, well, look, if the economy shifts, I have hundreds of thousands of dollars of revolving credit. I've got all this money in the bank. Well, what happened at that point was both those things went away. When that stuff started to hit my consumer credit report, all my credit card issuers lowered my limits to what I owed. That crushed my credit scores. And then at the same time, uh, the banks that I then owed money to from the credit lines for the business came and literally removed all the money from all of my bank accounts mm. on my personal side. So wow. People, listen, through. I'm going to interject for a second. That is really scary. That's really scary when you're in a position of saying, I have this credit limit. What could possibly go wrong? They shrunk your credit limit. They lowered your ceiling and then sucked money out of your accounts. That is terrifying. Sure. Keep going. And and it's what very much happens in the credit system is that, you know, credit bureaus get alerts when things change. And what people don't understand is that there's something called the small business financial exchange. And in order to be part of the small business financial exchange, it's a give to get mentality. So all the major banks, all the major credit card issuers are part of it. And what happens is they openly exchange information with each other, whether it is or is not on your credit report. So if you fill out an application for a credit card or for a loan at Bank of America, what most people don't realize is Wells Fargo, Chase, they all have that information Mm -hmm. immediately accessible when you do. So this even can help them trigger alerts when things change. So if you have five credit card companies and you go late on one, whether it reports or it doesn't, then the other ones know and immediately typically then lower your limits. And since available credit is 30% of your score, a mm-hmm. third of your score, I mean, just your score overnight can go from 750, 760 down to 520 like it did. And then your ability to use that credit to be able 
to rebound goes away. So that's very real what happens when you go lay on any accounts, which is one of the reasons you want to keep accounts reporting on your business credit reports, not your consumer. But the second part was scary too, because when they remove all the money from your bank account, it's not even money that's there, right? You have checks written against it. So all kinds of, of adverse consequences happen. You know, all these checks bounced, utilities are getting shut off. All these things happen as a result of that. So you go into it and think you're prepared. I, I obviously wasn't. Uh, that pushed me almost to the verge of personal bankruptcy, closed the business down. And then at that point, uh, really, I think in me personally, something shifted where I kind of stopped doing things for money and stopped genuinely understanding pain that people felt and trying to help solve that. So I got in the consumer credit space, started helping people fix their credit as a result of that, wrote a book, became very popular. That took off. And then along the way, a lot of our customers asked about business credit. I didn't know what it was. I went to Google. There was no information on YouTube. There was no information on Google. You just couldn't find it. And so then eventually enough people asked where I started to dig into it. And it and I realized that business credit you could get without a personal guarantee, without a personal credit check. I could, you know, get these, these credit lines and, and, and credit cards for my business and not be a guarantor. They couldn't touch my personal assets. It created this layer of protection between the business and myself. And I became immediately frustrated that, you know, nobody was talking about this. That even in 10 years of financial experience, I didn't know about it. Mm. And um, I was just raised that you don't complain about a problem unless you're willing to propose a solution. So in my world, in real time, I started learning every single thing I could learn about business credit. And then I would fill, I would do webinars and make this junky PowerPoints and put it out there and put it on YouTube. And I was speaking at a conference like six, seven months later. And I'll never forget when I looked at my YouTube channel showing it on stage. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I have thousands of subscribers here. Um, and I realized quickly that a lot of people had that same interest in learning about business credit that I did. Um, and then eventually, you know, created a company out of it. Now here I am, you know, many years later today. Um, you know, helping nearly 50,000 people through this process of building business credit and separating that personal and business liability. So that's kind of what brought me to, to this point with you today. That is fascinating. And I think it's really interesting to hear the story of your life and the decisions you made based out of your own personal heartache. And I think that entrepreneurial spirit was already alive in you that said, here's a problem. It's not just me. How can I solve this for other people too? And so I think a that's really important to point out as we talk about being an entrepreneurial and minded thinker. This is you're looking at somebody right here with Ty who said, "Okay, there's a giant problem in my life. There's a giant problem in other people's lives. Let's fix this. Let's plug the leaks. Let's fill the void and create something that gives people information to resolve this issue rather than just accept the status quo." And so Thank you for being courageous to figure that out and to lead other people to have business credit that's separate from your personal finance. So it, I appreciate it. And I appreciate the opportunity. And it's been amazing to be able to give a serve because unlike a lot, I think in being an entrepreneur, when I talk to other entrepreneurs, they tell me what they do. I immediately want to go do what they do. All the time, I'm like, oh, I want to go do that. That sounds fun. Oh, that sounds awesome. Uh -huh. so now I get to live in this <laughs> world where you know I get to help tens of thousands of business owners. I get to learn about them, learn about their model then empower them with capital and then watch them go from a one or two person operation to seven, eight figures and build teams and employ people and help. It's just, I can't explain the reward it, that you get when you get that experience, when you get actually kind of go along with that ride uh, in the back seat and get to kind of watch, you know, so many people go from concept or idea to building really successful businesses, helping a lot of people and employing a lot of people. So I'm, I, I just, I still am blessed. I still shocked that I have an opportunity to, to be able to do what I do every day. It doesn't even seem real. It doesn't even seem fair. <laughs> I don't even like their jobs, Rachel. And I get to do like what I love every day. It doesn't even seem fair. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Go ahead, Bruce. Yeah. So Ty, so a personal credit is reported like with um, TransUnion, Equifax, um, Experian. What are some of the, done in Bradstreet for business credit or what are some of the other reporting that people should know about. Sure. Well, first of all, it's important to note that, you know, 90% of business owners per entrepreneur uh, don't know anything about business credit. So I think there's a lot of skepticism about it just to begin with. But what's interesting is that Dun & Bradstreet is the largest business credit reporting agency. Uh, they were around way before the first consumer credit reporting agencies were. So business credit was around way before consumer credit. The consumer credit bureaus even existed. As a matter of fact, I'm a history buff. And what I think is really interesting is five 
U.S. presidents have worked with DB over their history. Five. Like, I don't even know of a company that's employed like two or three, and DB's had five. So it just goes to show how far back business credit goes, how back, far back business credit reporting goes. Uh, but in this space, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion are really popular in the consumer space. Those are the three main credit bureaus. We think that they're all the only ones, but they're not. They've just gobbled up a lot of these regional bureaus through the years, mm-hmm. and decades that were there to become who they are. And there's still a lot of regional bureaus that still get started every day, and then they get gobbled up by the big ones. Well, in the commercial world, Equifax and Experian are still there. TransUnion's not there, but Dun and Bradstreet's like the behemoth of of all of them, uh, and they're not in the consumer space. So to give you kind of a comparison, Dun and Bradstreet has about 230 million records on file of businesses, more than any credit reporting agency has on consumers or businesses. And Experian has 23 million. So it just goes to give, show this huge, you know, lapse between the, 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 how the size of the bureaus. So in the commercial space, Dun & Bradstreet, Equifax, Experian are the three reporting agencies, but credit works very differently. You know, in the consumer world, FICO is really a tough nut to crack. There's five components to it. And when you really think about how the consumer FICO score works, when you try to improve one aspect of it, you automatically damage another. So let me mm-hmm. give you an example. The, the, the credit mix accounts for 10% of your score. And they want you to have one or two mortgages, one or two auto loans, three major credit cards to have the right credit mix. But if you go get an auto loan or you go get a mortgage, you immediately drop your score 50, 100 points in a lot of cases because you max out your utilization. A lot of people mm-hmm. think utilization is just on revolving accounts. It's not in FICO. It's on everything. So it's kind of the way FICO works. You try to improve one aspect of the score, you damage another, and it's just this back and forth that takes you many, many years of well-disciplined borrowing to get to 800 scores. In the commercial world, each bureau has about five scores, and they all depict different things. But the main scores that are used are just based on how you've paid in the past. That's it. Like They are just a mathematical interpretation of how you, on average, pay your bills. And I love that. Like it, it, How easy is credit if we're scored just based on do we pay on time? Do we pay late? Do we pay early? How late do we pay? That determines our score. So the nice thing is, is that unlike consumer credit, which takes many years of well-disciplined borrowing to really get to the top, commercial credit, you literally can get there in one month by getting one account that reports positively to Experian or Equifax or three accounts that report to DMB. One month, you could have exceptional scores and then use those credit profiles and credit scores to start qualifying for all kinds of credit without that. Wow. That's actually fascinating to know. And I know a little bit about credit because if you are looking, and we're talking on a consumer basis on a usual, usually, but if somebody has the ability to always pay on time, never make a late payment. You want to be in a position where you have as little of payments as possible and you have cash on the side to be able to make those payments. You're not completely dependent on your income. So what's really interesting though, is you're saying how simple and easy it is on the business side. So there's a thousand questions that we can uncover through the course of this hour, but when is it time to get business credit? Is it when you're starting a business? Is it when you need the cash? When is the right time? Well, business credit takes time to establish very fast compared to consumer credit, but it still takes some time to establish. And you really should start building business credit the minute you start your business. And that's whenever I start a business or whenever I help somebody who's starting a business, it's always one of the first steps we take um, for a lot of different reasons, because business credit really is created to help your business fund itself. So the, big, the biggest mistake, I see all business owners make a lot, but the biggest mistake I, may, I see business owners make is they try to fund a startup or a new business using consumer credit cards. And they make two essential mistakes that a lot of established entrepreneurs know. They, they think things will happen way faster than they end up doing. Uh, and they also think things will cost way less than they end up costing, right? So established entrepreneurs, we always now expect it to be twice as much as we our best estimate and take twice as long as our best estimate. But they'll come in and say, it's five grand to get my business off the ground. I, it'll produce money in three months to pay that, that five grand down. It doesn't, you know, th- three months comes, they spent 10, they spent 12, and then they're nowhere close to being able to generate revenue in the business. Well, consumer credit cards were never designed to fund businesses. The limits are are, are inherently small because you know we don't spend fifty thousand a month on a credit card. A typical you know American doesn't. We don't do that. So even in two thousand eight mortgage crisis, we saw all these credit card issues lower a lot of our limits because there was all this available usage that nobody was using. So the problem is when you try to fund businesses using consumer credit cards, they weren't designed to do so. Then you adversely affect your utilization. Then you adversely affect your FICO score. Then all the money you could have got for startup funding, you can't get because your credit scores are down. Business mm. credit is very different. You know, the limits on business credit cards per SBA are 10 to 100x of what we see in the consumer world. And people think it's astonishing, but in my world, it's very common 
to see 10 or 20 or even $30,000 credit limits be issued to businesses within 30 to 60 days of them starting to build business credit reports. But it's not really odd if we think about it. Businesses have a greater appetite for spending than, than consumers. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mm-hmm. spend six figures a month on our Amex card and we pay it off every month, right? But we mm-hmm. use it for points and we do it for other, other purposes as well. So we just have an appetite for spending more. So these limits are way higher. So when you're building business credit, you start getting very high limit accounts very quickly that you can then use for your business to actually fund itself instead of the 75% of entrepreneurs that rely on family and friends to actually get money to start their business. So it gives you the capital you need for your business to fund itself uh, without relying on personal credit cards, family, friends, all these other places that a lot of entrepreneurs typically go to be able to get the money they need. That is fascinating. So even if you're in the position of saying, I'm not going to other investors to get cash for my business, I am wanting to bootstrap. This is still a bootstrapping mechanism, but you're using other people's capital. Sure. I, I, that's how I would think about it. Is that how you think about Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's two ways you can get money into a business. There's debt or equity, right? And what you're referring to with the equity play is, you know, you're if you're in that, that area where you're comfortable giving up equity ownership or giving up stock in your business and bringing in other partners, uh, then that's a great way to go. You know, if you have the right idea and the right angel and, and the right network of people around you of angel investors and venture capitalists, a lot of business owners go that route. A lot of us, choose the the bootstrapping route. We choose the debt route. We look for credit cards. We look for loans. We look for credit lines with debt that has to be paid back. And then, you know, on the consumer side, we've got this Dave Ramsey theory that debt is bad, but that's not the case in the business world. I mean, Apple sits on literally billions of dollars in cash, billions in cash, and they still borrow money. You can still look at their business credit reports and see their outstanding loans or outstanding credit lines, you know, because every major business that's out there publicly and privately owned, they mastered OPM. They've mastered that other people's money. Mm-hmm. And so if you use just Walmart as an example, right? Walmart's the biggest retailer in the world. But what a lot of people don't realize is that 80%, 80% of what Walmart sells off their shelves, they buy using business credit. So they go to Bounty, they pay for those paper towels using commercial credit accounts. Then they put them on the shelf with the best inventory management system that exists. I don't know how they have that. They don't have stuff on their shelves, but that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. <laughs> so they put the stuff on the shelves. You and I go in and we pay Walmart money and they take our money and they use it to pay bounty for the paper towels. They actually have more money in Walmart in business credit than all shareholder value combined in the entire company. It's how they become the number one retailer. So in the business world, the ability to leverage other people's money to be successful is why all these companies get to be as big as they are. So a little look on debt versus equity, but if you're going to go the debt route, sure, you want to go a debt route that gives you no personal liability if you can and starts building the credibility of the business to get away from guarantees, to get away from liability. So the business can stand on its own and it just doesn't need you as an individual. Like if we think about Dell. Michael Dell's not guaranteeing credit lines for Dell because Dell's become big enough where it doesn't need him. I think that's what we all want to accomplish. And that's mm-hmm. where SCORE Inc. SBA, I'll talk about the importance of that separation of commercial and credit to accomplish that. That is fascinating. So what? how do you build this business credit separate from your personal identity, your personal credit lines, your personal accounts? How do you do that without giving away all your secret sauce? But how do you do that in an effective way out of the gate when you're starting a business, or if you're already in an established business and you realize, oh my goodness, I completely missed the boat and I am not doing this already. What are the steps that need to be taken to be able to build business credit? Well, today we're going to just give away all the secret sauce, right? Because I want everybody on your show to be able to know exactly how to do this, whether they pay anybody to do it, or they can easily do it on their own if they follow a series of steps. I shouldn't say easily, but they can do it on their own if they follow the right series of steps. So the first thing is to know that Walmart or the startup, they all follow the exact same series of steps to build business credit. As a matter of fact, if you ever read Sam Walton's book, which I highly recommend, his biography, where he, you know, it's phenomenal. He talks in there several times about establishing credit with Dun & Bradstreet and about sitting in the front office while he knows people are in the back checking his business credit to even see if they're going to extend him credit. So it's very interesting to know. I mean, you've got to, this goes back a long way at a lot of the businesses, including uh, you know, businesses that go back into the 70s, 60s and beyond have used this kind of strategy to become successful. It's the same series of steps big guys take that the small ones can take. And the very first step is, as you said, you got to create separation. If you want to become a legitimate business, you have to treat your business like it's legitimate. 
You can't have a sole proprietorship where you and the business are one and the same. And I'm not an accountant or attorney, but then in this case, somebody sues you, they're suing or sues the business, they're suing you. You have to create an entity structure that's legitimate, that credible in the lender and credit issuer's eyes. And that's really a corporation. When we even look at SBA, SBA refers to a sole proprietorship as kind of where you are, where you're experimenting with a business idea and a corporation or, you know, a partnership, even an LLC is where you go when you're actually really deploying a business. So you got to set up an actual legitimate industry or business uh, entity, and you need to know what industry you're in. You know, I sit in front of a lot of people that have $10 million to $100 million businesses, and it's astonishing. When I ask them if they know what NAICS industry code they are, nobody knows it. So this is very, very, very important because in this world, we are categorized based on the industry we're in. And a lot of us walk into a bank and set up a bank account. They say, what industry are you in? We say consulting, right? Or something so general, not knowing that all these banks are communicating with each other. And that's now how we're known. The same thing when we file taxes, et cetera. So the government has codes that classify us in industries. And then there used to be an SIC code. It didn't have enough categories when we went online and all these things. So now they have this NAICS code. Well, this code's used by, for many reasons, the SEC uses it, the government uses it to compare your expenses against others in your industry to look for red flags to audit you, okay? So, I mean, they're used for a lot of different purposes, but lenders, credit issuers use them to determine if you're in a high-risk industry or not. The credit bureaus use them to determine if you're in a high-risk industry or not. The credit bureaus use them for comparison scores to compare your business to other people in your industry. So, all kinds of problems arise if you don't even know what industry you're in. So you should go to NAICS.com, find your exact industry. Simple example here, you might say you're in real estate. Real estate has 32 subcategories, 32. So imagine if you put real estate on an application, you're letting a lender or credit issuer choose which one of those 32 you're in. And 100% of the time, they're always going to choose one that's high risk because that's better for them. And it's Mm. more conservative risk-wise than choosing one that you're low risk. So Wow, that's fascinating in itself. It's something that you, everybody should do, but very few do. So, you know, when you fill out the industry code that your industry you're in or tell somebody, you should tell them exactly what the wording of that industry is in your actual code. Now, what happens is you're classified the right way, your credit reports, lenders and credit issuers perception of you, the IRS's perception of you, everything is categorized the right way. So choose the right entity, choose the right NAICS code, set up a separate address for the business, even if you work from home. Get a virtual address. You don't stay away from PO boxes and UPS addresses. Those are kind of held in a database where if you put that on a lender's application, what happens is they know you're using a postal box and they oftentimes deny you. And I had this conversation today on my live stream and everybody started chiming in with these problems because they're using an iPostal, a UPS, and all these problems arise. So you want to choose a virtual address, a Regis, Da Vinci, Alliance, where it makes it look like you occupy a building, a high-rise building in Tampa, Florida, but you're just renting the address. They're very different than getting Mm -hmm. a mailbox like at a UPS store. So get a separate address for the business. Get a separate phone number for the business. Even if it's a voice over IP, stay away from mobile phones and home phones. Get a website for the business. Make sure it reflects the products and services that you offer. I mean, somebody should be able to look at it, customer or lender, know what you do. Have a professional email address. You know, you don't want to have party dude2021 at Gmail, right? You want to like <laughs> get a, you know, info at creditsuite.com, creditsuite.com. So, you know, you want to get a, an email address that matches your domain. You want to make sure that all of your information online is congruent. This is what's astonishing is that the vast majority of applications that are denied for financing, and here's the stats, 89% of applications that go to the big banks are denied. 89, it's almost nine out of 10. But here's what's crazy. Almost all of them, over 80% of them are denied, not because the applicant didn't qualify, but because the lender thinks the application is fraud. So mm. what happens here is we're exposed to fraud every day. We don't even contemplate what lenders are exposed to every day. Like, I mean, the majority of what comes in their door is all fake stuff. It's not even real. So they have this series of stuff that they're checking on the back. And then what they're doing is taking your application, just making sure it matches everywhere. Is it the same as your secretary of state? Is it the same with your online listings? Is it the same with your Google places, your website? They're not manually doing this. Their computers are doing this. And when the information doesn't match, then it automatically throws up red flags and fraud alerts that it might not be legitimate because they look at ABC business and they went to secretary of state and they find an ABC business, but the address is different and the phone number is different. None of the information is congruent. So it automatically triggers all of these alerts. And Rachel, if we think about it, it makes sense because we oftentimes set up the entity 
Then we go get the address. Then we go get the phone number. Then we never go back and change it. We don't even think about going back to change it. And so what happens is we change addresses. All this information online is incongruent. The lenders can't really determine if the application they're processing is even the same as all the stuff they're finding online. So that congruency mm. becomes very important to be able to get past those fraud alerts and even mm. actually be seen as a legitimate applicant. Uh, and anything else you can do as well. Make sure you have a business license. If you can get a business license, anything you can do, list your phone number with 411. If asked for a fax number, get a fax number. Ring Central can add a fax that is your phone number for no, no money. I mean, it's the same price. So just make sure that when you fill out an application, every single thing on there reflects that your business is separate from you. And that it looks legitimate. It looks credible to outside parties. Just that that's the very first step of getting any kind of money. Business credit funds. If you just do that one thing, you'd be astonished at how many times you go from getting denied to all of a sudden getting approved just because you fixed the structure of your business and nothing else beyond. That is, I think you're sharing fabulous information for someone who is getting started. But I'm sure if you're listening right now or listening later, and you hear this list, don't tune out because all of these things could be things or triggers that you might need to go back and correct if you are in business operating without any of these. But for the sake of discussion, let's assume we have all of that established and we're a legitimate business. We've done every single one of those checks that you mentioned. What's the next step in making sure that you have good business credit? We call this fundability, really what we've talked about so far. And it's really just increasing your ability to get money from the system. And today, helping almost 50,000 people, we've never seen one have their fundability in line. A lot of people come in and think they do, and it's off, and they pay us a lot of money. And then we fix one thing, and they turn around and immediately get approved, right? It's that plumber that goes on the submarine and you know hammers one thing and has the huge bill. And he's like, well, I knew where to hammer, right? It's the same thing. It's a, you just fix this, and this will account for a lot of denials to approvals. But once you have that, you have to continue to improve your fundability. And that's what happens when you build business credit. Business credit's not just about accessing and opening up capital for you. It's just the, the basic idea that if you're going to go get a mortgage, a car loan, a credit card on the personal side, can you imagine doing any of that without a credit profile and score? Now imagine trying to walk out in the business world and get credit lines, loans, and credit cards with no established credit with the business. It's an uphill battle from day one if you're not doing it. So once you get that fundability in line, you need to start getting set up with the actual commercial credit reporting agencies, DMB, Equifax, Experian. Now you do that by first going to Dun & Bradstreet to get a Dun's number. Now, you can go to creditsuite.com forward slash DUNS, or you can just search free DUNS number. Either one, it'll take you to a link with Dun & Bradstreet where you can get a free DUNS number. It's five to 10 minutes to fill out their application. You should already have your business address and phone number and all that stuff set up. It's going to be asked for in the application. DMB will oftentimes try to call you and sell you something they call Credit Builder. You don't need Credit Builder to activate your credit profile and expedite your DUNS number and everything else that they'll sell you on. Uh, you don't need to pay a dime for that. So don't take their calls, don't respond to their emails. They're always trying to sell you something in when it comes to getting your done number, but you can get your done number at no cost. Then the next thing you want to do is start establishing credit with all three reporting agencies. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky because 97% of trade vendors that issue credit don't report the credit to the business credit reporting agencies. And we're not used to this. As consumers, when I go to Target to check out every single time, they offer me a 20% discount if I take their credit card. And if I take their credit card, I know it shows up on my credit reports. It's just by default what I expect to happen. But in the business world, 97% don't report it. So we've got to come in and intentionally find credit that reports to DMB Equifax Experience. And we need credit that will be given to us even if we have no other prior credit established. So there's two ways to do this. The first is through a program called Credit Line Hybrid. Now, Credit Line Hybrid is where you can get five to 10 different credit lines, 0% rates for zero to 18 months. You can take the cash out of the credit lines and they report to the business credit reporting agency. So you can get cash credit lines immediately to start building business credit. But the catch here is you need good personal credit to get that done. You need a 680, 700 FICO score. You need to have lower utilization, not a bunch of inquiries on your credit report. Or so Just a to clarify, yeah, you're saying that you need that personally. There's two ways to do side. it. Okay. If you go this way, the catch is it is based on personal credit. Mm, okay. And Rachel, I'm going to give you a path where it, personal credit doesn't matter. Okay. So there's Perfect. kind of the faster path where you can just immediately get 50, 100, 150,000 and get credit lines that report to the business credit reporting agencies. And it's a faster path 
because you're getting high limit accounts immediately to start building your business credit. Okay. So if you have good personal credit and you get 0%, 150 grand, why not, right? It's a great way to go even for startup businesses if you are a guarantor has good credit. Remember, they report to the business credit reporting agencies. So it doesn't matter if it's your personal credit or the guarantors that gets it because you're building business credit either way. And it gives you access to a ton of money. The other option is vendor credit. And vendor credit, you don't need the personal guarantee that Credit Line Hybrid has. You don't need personal credit checks. You don't need good personal credit. You can start with nothing, a brand new business, no personal guarantee, no personal credit check, and you can get credit at starter vendors. And these starter vendors will give you credit when you have none, and they report to the business credit reporting agency. So some mm. examples here are Uline. They sell shipping supply. Uh, supply Works, they were bought up by Home Depot. They sell like all kinds of work supplies. Uh, business T-Shirt Club. Obviously, they sell T-shirts, uh, strategic network solutions. They sell computers, networking solutions, et cetera. So those are you know, some of the starter vendors that are out there that will give you credit when you have none, and they report it to the business credit reporting agency. So for example, I go to Uline. I set up an account online with them. It takes minutes to do. I go put stuff in my shopping cart. I go to checkout. Now, they'll give me an option similar to the words invoice me. And I want to choose that. And what I notice is that I'm able to check out without giving them a credit card. Then they email me and tell me items are shipped and congratulations, you just got business credit. There's no celebration. There's no credit card you get in the mail. There's no notice you get from the congratulations, you were approved for an X dollar limit. None of that happens. You just know that you got it because they shipped the actual items. And if you called them and asked them how much your credit line was, they tell you. Um, but that's the only way you'd even really know. So now all of a sudden you have your first account. You pay that bill as soon as you possibly can after they ship the item. Very important because if you pay before the item is shipped, it would count as a cash transaction and you never see credit for that on the business credit reports. Uh, but Which just if you pause for a second, that's the same reason on the personal side, you want to wait till the bill hits your statement, not make the make the um, payment on your credit card and then immediately pay off the credit card before you get the statement, correct? Yeah, it's exactly the same. As a matter of fact, in the business world, they don't even let you do that. So if I go to state, if I go to Uline and they ship the item, I can go to Uline and pay my bill right away. But if I do that with Staples, Staples won't even let me pay my bill until a statement's populated. They won't even give me that option. Like I have to wait till a statement's populated. Then for me, knowing the importance of this, it's kind of a game because I want to pay it as soon as I can. And I'll tell you why in a minute when it comes to business credit scores. But that means I don't even want to wait for my statement. I, I, I want to know when they're populating that and let me pay it right there before I even get my statement in the mail because there's a three, four, five, seven day lag in getting the mail. So you, you, in the business world, you are scored based on being one DBT, days beyond terms. So in the consumer credit world, you've got to go 30 days late before it even adversely affects your credit report. But in the business world, a day late starts adversely affecting your commercial. Really? That's important. But the opposite's true. Paying it early, where the payment, the score reflects that you can expect payments before it's even due, then that goes a long way to giving you an 80, 90, 100 score, which literally means that you pay your bills early, not even on time. On average, you pay them early. So I always recommend that because we always forget. We make mistakes. We forget something. We forget to pay something. It goes late. Well, if I've got seven accounts I'm paying early and one I paid late once, my score is not going to go adversely down very much because my positives are offsetting my negative. So you want to be able to go in, put stuff in your cart, check out, then go pay that as soon as you possibly can and repeat. Now, you want to do that with about five accounts initially, whether it be credit line hybrid, whether it be vendors, it doesn't matter. You just want to do it with five accounts then you want to get your business credit reports and you want to see those accounts start to populate on those business credit reports. Now, you can go to creditsuite.com forward slash monitoring. It's $24 a month to get DMB Equifax Experian. You can go to them direct. It's $249 if you went and got all three of them direct. Uh, you don't need the full reports with five scores. You just need a snapshot of what's going on. You can go to creditsuite.com forward slash monitoring. You can go to NAV, although they don't even advertise it on their website. But those are two good sources that you can go to get credit mining. Now, watch these accounts report. Now, one account with Equifax and Experian will establish a credit report. Three accounts with DMB. You need three accounts reporting a DMB and a DUNS number, or you won't see a credit report and score established. You've got to have three with DMB and one with Equifax Experian. But Rachel, I want to intervene real quick on this because what happens is Equifax and Experian will also give you failing scores when you have no credit. So the minute you show up on Experian's radar, the minute it happens, they know your business name. They know your actual industry and they know your address, which they typically get from Secretary of State when you file annual reports. The minute you do that, 
They create a credit profile and score, and I have hundreds of these as examples. They're all failing scores that reflect that you're about a high risk as you can get of shutting your doors, ceasing operations, filing bankruptcy, because you have no credit. So you got to really work on getting credit with Experian and Equifax immediately, because if they know you exist, you have a failing report and score. And by adding even one account, you can turn that around and make that positive. So that's really that second step. You got to build that fundability, step one. Step two, add initial credit to establish an initial credit profile and score, a handful of accounts using a credit line hybrid with a PG, personal guarantee and good credit, or using vendors where they won't even ask for a social. There's no credit check. There's no guarantee on those kind of accounts. Either one will get you to the next step once you've established that handful of accounts with the business credit report. So you mentioned you mentioned a, um, a credit score with business. I think everybody knows that you know a 700 score, at least around the 700, kind of an average score on the consumer side. And it goes up to, you know, over 800. And of course it goes down, you know, I think the lowest I've ever seen is in the high three eighties. Um, not me personally, but somebody else, uh, where, how do they report business credit scores? Well, it's kind of tricky because each bureau has about five scores and then FICO has a small business score that's used by SBA and they're all completely different. I mean, there's some scores go to as high as a thousand, uh, you know, but most of them, the main score used by each credit bureau, IntelliScore is experience, Paydex score. We, a lot of us have heard of Paydex from DMB, small business risk score from Equifax. They all are zero to 100. 100 the highest score. 80 or 90, depending on the bureau, reflects your paying on time or early. Anything below that, you know, like Equifax is 90 means you pay on time. Equifax or DMB is 80. So anything below that reflects you're paying late and how late you're paying on average reflects how low your score is. So you typically want to be 80, 90 or higher with the credit reporting agencies to have considered what's a good score. And a good score just literally means you pay your bills on time. If you're paying your bills on time, they will give you 80 plus scores. And that reflects that you have, you're a lower risk of borrowing. So another question here, is anybody invoicing you does that, does that count towards what you're talking about? Or It doesn't. And okay. that's where we get confused. So one of my buddies, John, called me the other day, and he's got a $10 million plus company. He said, oh my God, I don't know what to do. He said, my bank just called my credit line due. Now, for all of us that know what that means, it means that we have a credit line for $250,000. We have 100000 owed on it. And the bank says, I want my hundred grand back in 30 days, and your credit line is now closed. And he did nothing. No, you don't do anything wrong typically in these scenarios for it to happen. But what triggered it, was an alert on his business credit reports that they were low. And he didn't have any established business credit. That was the problem. You know, so here he is. He's and he said, Ty, I own a media agency. I pay and started naming all these really high-level media companies out there that run news stations, TV stations. I said, but John, none of them are reporting the payments that you're paying to the business credit reporting agency. Mm. Right. So a lot of us fall in this trap. We pay all these bills on time. We don't even think that none of it's getting reported to the credit bureaus because, like I said, as consumers, we're just used to by default at all reports to the consumer. Like I would never get a mortgage or a car loan or a credit card and think it doesn't report. Like that's that's common sense it reports. But in the business world, most of it doesn't. So a lot of us are thinking that we're accumulating credit this whole time. But the reality is if we ask these sources, do you report to DMB Equifax Experience? In almost all cases, they'll tell us, no, I don't actually report that credit. Fascinating. Okay, so... I think you've blown up a lot of myths here. I think it's very simple to get business credit and to get started with it. Probably most people don't have the business credit that they hope they had or need to have. Um, so what do you do? Is there more steps after this, after the fundability? Well, the next steps, I'll kind of wrap up all in, in, in one segment here. But what you need to learn about business credit is that there's a lot of myths the credit issuers and other people will tell you. And the myths have to go around this. You need a certain amount of revenue or time in business to get it. Helping nearly 50000 through this process, they aren't true. What I found is that you show me anybody with X amount of trade lines, 15, 20, 25 accounts on their business credit reports, I'll show you somebody that's going to get approved for all kinds of revolving credit without a personal guarantee or credit check. I don't care if they've been in business four months. They don't care if they're doing a revenue of 100 grand. So what we found is this, this trend of the more accounts you add on your business credit reports, the higher the credit recommendations are from the actual credit 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 issuer from the credit bureaus. So 
this is why business credit is important. As I mentioned, it's not just a matter of getting credit cards. It's a matter of by establishing a deep credit profile and score that's good, everybody that's issuing you loans, even cash advance lenders are pulling your business credit reports. So it helps you get more money at better terms. So if you've ever got approved for a loan or credit line, not for as much as you wanted, if you ever got terms that you weren't want, you really wanted to get, it's probably because your business credit, have you ever looked at it? If your credit's bad, you're not going to get the amount of money in the terms that you want. So you want to make sure that you're following these steps because the more built out your business credit profile and scores, the more financing becomes available at favorable terms. But in the business credit building process, once we get that handful of initial accounts, we want to shift to what I call the retail credit tier. And the retail credit tier is just credit from retailers, right? Like almost every major retailer offers this. Sam's Club, Costco, Staples, Office Depot, Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, Amazon, even Nordstrom and Macy's offer business credit without a personal guarantee and without a personal credit check. And when we have five accounts on the business credit boards, now we can start applying. Like Amazon's one of the best accounts to start applying for when we have that initial handful of accounts. And now we're able to get approved without a personal guarantee and credit check. Now we got to be careful because in 2018, the government passed a law that a bank must verify your identity before opening an account for you. And most credit cards are backed by banks, right? So Office Depot and Staples aren't issued by Staples or Office Depot. They're issued by City. City underwrites that actual credit card. So City's a bank. So City has to verify you as the owner's ID. So they're going to ask for your social to verify your identity. But if they don't clearly stipulate that it's only to verify your identity and not a credit check or guarantee, you have to stipulate to them, I'm not authorizing a guarantee. I'm not authorizing a credit check. Now, in a lot of cases, the front end reps will try to talk you out of that. They'll even tell you you're crazy. They'll tell you that you're never going to get approved without it. They don't know. They, just don't, they never know. Never talk to them. If you can fight your way to an underwriter, they're always the one with the knowledge. The front end reps just don't know. So then you have them push your application without it. Now, what happens is they underwrite the commercial credit profile of the business. They see you have established trade lines. They see you have a good score. And they give you an approval decision based on the business's ability to pay its debts the way it's supposed to be not based on anything to do with your personal world because now we've separated these credit profiles as scores. Now, keep in mind, uh, Office Depot may require six accounts in your business credit reports. Home Depot might require 10. So again, you know, benefit, like if, if our clients are working with us, we tear this out and put it in the level of, of what you apply for first. But if you're doing it on your own, you absolutely can. It's just some trial and error. You might have to apply for Home Depot and Lowe's and get Home Depot and get denied and then get Lowe's and then go back to Home Depot later when you have enough trade lines to get Home Depot. It's just a trial and error, but you can start to get retail accounts with five accounts on your business credit reports and you'll get the more accounts you add, the more of these retailers open up. When you have eight accounts in your business credit reports, then you can get fleet credit. And fleet credit's like to, to like maintain a fleet of vehicles typically. Very common in the transportation industry. This is Citgo and BP and Chevron and Pilot Flying J and Wawa. There are accounts where you could maintain vehicles, repair vehicles, fuel vehicles. Whether you have one you're using for a business or a fleet, with eight accounts in your business credit reports, you can start to get these without the guarantee and credit check. You can get a WEX fleet card to start building business credit. But they'll typically want a $500 deposit and a personal guarantee. Once you get to eight accounts, you don't need guarantees. You don't need deposits. You can get all that. Then the final tier of business credit building happens at about 14 accounts. When you have 14 accounts total on your business credit reports, now you can get to what we call cash credit. Visa cards, MasterCards, you can use anywhere. Okay, So BP uh, or, uh, say, uh, or BJ's, for example, BJ's has a credit card you can use in their warehouse, and they have a credit card you can use anywhere. You can use the BJ's MasterCard at Sam's Club, for example. It's a MasterCard. You can just use anywhere MasterCard's accepted. You can also get auto financing, computer leasing at this tier as well. You can get computer leases with Apple, with HP, with Dell. You can get auto financing with Ford, GM. You can get it with Toyota. You can get an Ally Bank. One of our clients got $185,000 in financing at Ford. No personal guarantee, no personal credit check, strictly in the business's name. I literally just bought a new McLaren in the business's name and using an LLC to do it. So this is where auto financing opens up. It's where you're able to be able to get the cash credit cards. It's the final tier of where you are in business credibility. And you can get there at about six months to eight months time from starting the process to very end um, by actually following these exact steps together. So when you, you, when you get, when you get a vendor credit card, like a Sam's club, I get, well, maybe you wouldn't call that a vendor credit card, but when you get a re, a retail credit card in the business name um, it, that you said it helps your score. But what if, what if you're denied? Cause you didn't know, does that also it won't adversely affect you? Not like consumer credit. 
Right. Because Bruce, remember the problem with consumer credit that hurts you is that 10% of your scores is inquiries. And what a lot of people don't know about the inquiries component of consumer FICO is that it hurts you more if you get an inquiry and no account shows on the credit report as a result of your inquiry than what it would if an account shows up. So I'm very strategic. When I go to get a car loan, I don't go into a dealership and let them pull it and then shotgun it to five dealers. No way. I go into the one lender that I know is going to give me the loan and then I have them do one inquiry on my credit report. Because now what happens is FICO sees I had one inquiry for a car loan and one car loan shows on my credit report and helps that section of my score. But remember, in commercial credit scoring, we don't care. All we care is that you pay the bill on time. So inquiries could not adversely affect your score. But here's why. Because in the consumer world, I can't get your credit report without your permission. There's a law called the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which rolled out in the 1970s to protect us from crazy things the credit bureaus were doing to get our information. So now it requires what's called permissible purpose. I need your permission, Bruce, to get your credit report, but I don't need your permission to get your business credit report. If I go to Dun & Bradstreet, Equifax, or Experience website right now, the very first question they ask me is, do I want my credit report or do I want credit report for another business? So your business credit information is publicly accessible. Anybody that wants to pull your commercial credit reports can, your prospects, your competitors, your clients, potential investors into your business, lenders, credit issuers, suppliers. So inquiries can't adversely affect your credit score because anybody that wants that commercial data, your reports can access it. And by the way, they can see how many trade lines you have, how you pay your bills, how many days beyond terms you are, your revenue, your income for your business, your profit, lawsuits, judgments, all of that is on that commercial credit report accessible to anybody that wants it at any given time. I just wish Ty, you uh, would know a, a lot about this at the top on the top of your head, <laughs> <laughs> because you are you are one of the most unconsciously competent people that we've had on the show, um, because you just you just know what the next progression is, and it's you don't even think about it; it just unconsciously comes out of your mouth, and I and I think that shows just your. Um, your superior knowledge in this. And I think all of our listeners ought to be paying close attention to everything that he's saying. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And you know what, this is what I found is that when I started this quest back in the day of, of, of getting frustrated because I didn't know business credit and the difference it could make, what happened was it opened up this whole can of worms, literally like the hair stands up on my arms. And I, it's just because what happens is there is this whole world of data that is happening behind the scenes that we are not aware of. Mm-hmm. All of our information is being shared. It's all accessible and we don't know it. And what's happening is all these people are looking at all the stuff we don't even know they have and they're making all kinds of decisions about us, whether it's insurance, whether it's law enforcement pulling us over for a speeding ticket, whether it's lenders, credit issuers, suppliers. And the more I learn this, the more frustrated I become, because if we just go to business owners and say, look, here's how the system works. Here's where they get their data. Here's what they're looking for. If you just understood the rules of the game, you could win the game. But they don't tell us this. They don't tell us any of this. And it's why so many of us are failing to get the money we need to take our ideas and make them into you know, life-changing endeavors that help a lot of people and change a lot of lives. We just don't know what they know. And so that's why I learn and study as much as I do, because I'll give you an example. LexisNexis. Have you two ever looked at your LexisNexis credit report? I didn't even know what it, I never even heard of this one. I thought well, that was a, what the library used to use back in, I don't know, 15 years ago. Isn't that how you look up things? LexisNexis. I, that's the only thing I remember that word from. So let me give you an idea. This is my LexisNexis credit report. Oh, this wow. is it. It's a giant. 300 pages. You Behemoth. both have one. We all have one. Okay. This credit report has every single address I've ever lived at in my life, every single email address I've ever had, every single phone number I've ever had in my life. It has the building materials of my home, literally the building materials, how many stories it is, the AC unit, the square footage, the homeowners association, how big the garage is, how big the lot is. It tells me the title company, the insurance or the title company, the actual closing agent, the actual mortgage, the interest rate I paid on every home loan I've ever had. Every single traffic ticket I've ever had in my life is in there. Every time I've ever been arrested for anything, misdemeanors, felonies, sex offender lessons or, or uh, sex offender records are in there as well. Licenses that you've been issued, licenses that you've had revoked. Uh, every business you've ever been associated with in your entire life, 
It's all in this credit report. Every judgment you've ever had, every tax lien, every bankruptcy you've ever had. You think you're clear because it's off your credit reports. It's not. You try to dispute a judgment off TransUnion and they verify it. You know where they're getting the data to verify? LexisNexis. This is where it all comes from. Law enforcement uses it. Government uses it. Insurance companies use it. Lenders use it. Credit issuers use it. So I'll give you two examples of why it's important. When we got our SBA loan, they asked, have you ever been convicted of felonies and misdemeanors? And of course, I put no, I'm a straight shooter. And they came back and said, actually, you have been. There's two misdemeanors here that you have to account for and tell us why you lied and what happened. I literally had to pull a background check on myself to even know what they were talking about. And then it was like something in my 20s, like motorcycles and wheelies and a female police officer I was trying to press. Really great story back in the day, right? <laughs> but now, you know, I'm 30 years old and it's affecting my ability to get an SBA loan. They came in and wanted to collateralize my home because they found judgments on there I thought were gone. I thought they, they were off the credit bureaus. Nobody knew about them, but they pulled judgments that weren't even accurate and wanted to collateralize my home. And I had to prove a negative that these judgments weren't even, weren't even mine. But once I figured this out, I went to, I got this and I went to LexisNexis and cleaned it up and the whole world opened up loans, credit lines, credit cards started to become way easier to get, merchant accounts, bank accounts, all this resistance I'd ever had in my life, I started to actually not have any of that resistance. And so now we partner with LexisNexis to bring their data front-facing, put it into a score, tell business owners this is what's wrong, that lenders are seeing their discrepancies, fixes to be able to have the best chance of getting approved. But I only tell you the story because this is one of many credit reports, check systems for how we manage our bank account, a bank rating, a whole other secret credit score the banks have that score us based on how we manage our actual business bank accounts. There's this whole world behind the scenes that once revealed, then we understand what they're looking for, what to do, and we actually radically improve our chances of being able to get the credit and loans. And quite honestly, we deserve to get. If they weren't playing dirty, we wouldn't get them. They're mm-hmm. just doing all the stuff that we don't even know is happening. And that's why I think it's so important that, that your audience knows about it. Well, it is so important as you're talking about that people who have legitimate business ideas that have the capability to run that business that want to bring their ideas to the world and improve the world are the people who should be getting the funding. And yet you're saying there's this secret map to play from that nobody understands. And if we had that, then the right people could be able to get the access to the capital that they need to be able to move forward. And that's just fascinating that you're doing this work. So tell me this, what do you offer to our audience How can they get in touch with you? But more specifically, how do you help them? I mean, you've given so much information for free right here in this hour, a little less than an hour that we've been on this conversation together. What can they do? What do you offer inside of your business to help business owners? Several things. First of all, I'm on a quest to make sure that everybody I can touch knows about business credit. So if you're listening to this and this touches you, tell other people, let them know that there's a path to success where they can obtain this on their own, whether they pay a company or not. Um, for a free resource, creditsuite.com forward slash EIN. If you go to creditsuite.com forward slash EIN, it breaks down fundability more in depth. There's 125 fundability points that we found to control your ability to get money. We didn't have time to cover them. A lot of them are adding that guide at creditsuite.com forward slash EIN. Um, also, more steps in depth, more vendors that will help you actually succeed with building business credit. We also give a free consultation. And on the consultation, it's not a sales pitch. It's three things that happen very specific on this consultation. We do a fundability assessment. We go do a fundability check like lenders and credit insurers are going to do. We tell you what's wrong and what to fix. We help you get your credit reports with DMB Equifax Experian for free. They're 250 bucks if you go to the bureaus direct. We get them at no cost for you, go through those with you, give you tips and tactics to improve there. And we do a funding assessment. We say, look, you might not even think you can qualify for funding, but here's all the funding you can get now. We work with every legitimate type of funding that's out there. We vet them. And if they're legitimate, then we make sure people know that they're there because a lot of lenders offer one kind of product and the person can easily qualify for this kind, but not this kind. And they think they're denied. So we qualify for funding as well. And they can give us a call on our main number or schedule online at creditsuite.com forward slash console. And that main number is 877-600-2487. That's 877-600-2487. And as I say this last thing, it's like anything else you do in life. We have tons of information on our YouTube channel and all of our social channels you can get on our website for free to go through this process. But just like anything in life, if you want the faster and easier path, we can help you with that with a paid service or you take the free path. I don't care which you choose. Just do something about it. If you just start building your business credit, then you radically increase your chances of getting money. 
And that's the reward that I want, whether you take our free route or, or you work with us to get the faster easier. Well, that is awesome. Thank you for sharing those resources and thank you for the work that you do. And I know that you are doing a lot of great work. You're doing tons of education on LinkedIn and all over on various channels. We found you through your podcast as well. And I just am really thankful for everything that you provide that is at no cost, that is information that is benefiting and improving the world. And certainly you deserve to be compensated for helping people who are improving their lives as a result. So Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, Bruce. Is there anything that you had, um, any thoughts in closing or final questions? No, I just uh, well, I just think it's a little ironic that we did our first podcast of the day, and uh, the main theme was whatever you do, just take action. You know, mm-hmm. get moving on something and then adjust. You know, from there. But if you if you never take action, you cannot adjust. And uh, with so many people, just are paralyzed by inaction. And, um, you know, I, 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 I don't know if you're old enough for this tie, but I, I said it to Rachel off the air. I said, you know, if you choose to not decide, you still have made a choice. And that's, and that's actually a famous, uh, line in a song by Rush, um, Getty Lee is the lead singer. And it's always stuck with me since the seventies. If you choose to not decide, you still have made a choice and people think, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to make a choice because I don't want it to be the wrong choice. Well, not deciding is a choice and you're making the wrong choice by not deciding. That is a very good point to end this on. And what's really interesting is that Ty, if, if nothing else, if somebody's listening and they say, look, I don't even own a business yet. I'm sure you have whetted their appetite for the ability to get financing, to do great things with. And business is simply finding a way to fill a need and provide value to the world. And if you have access to capital, you have the ability to do that much quicker and much easier. If you are sitting in business right now and you're saying, I'm just getting started, I don't have any of these things, or I'm running a sole proprietor, or I'm this is a hobby, or I hope to make this into a business someday, I hope that you've gotten some very good strategic and tactical steps that you can absolutely take to make sure you are a legitimate business and you increase your fundability. And if you're in an established business or you have multiple businesses or you're an investor with multiple LLCs and multiple corporations, maybe you're in a position where you're saying, I still have missing um, blind spots in what I've been doing so far. And I have room for improvement in my fin- in my credit so that I can improve my financing capability or my fundability, I guess is a better way of saying that. But Wherever you are in any one of those three buckets right now, there's something that you can take home from this show. So creditsuite.com, and you've provided us a ton of resources specifically, go straight to creditsuite.com slash EIN. And thank you so much, Ty, for being on the show today. I would really encourage you, if you are listening, to remember that as you're building out your business and a life that you love, there are so many pieces that connect together. It's not just one strategy. It's not just one product not just one tactic. Really, you need a full financial picture and a full financial strategy that has you making as much money as possible and keeping as much of that, then protecting your capital and then using your capital to make more. And so this is one piece of a much bigger journey to building that time and money freedom that we all crave. And so I just wanted to share that with you. We can help you. The advisors at The Money Advantage are waiting and ready to help you figure out your next step and possibly business fundability and credit is a piece of that. So more than likely, I'll just say more than likely it is, especially if you're a business owner, which is most of who we're talking to. So thank you for being on the show today. I do not see any comments or questions, but I hope that I did not miss anything. If there is, we'll go back and check those later. It could be my view. Um, And thank you so much for listening to us on the show. Thank you, Ty, for sharing your hour with us today. This is super valuable. Thank you very much for having me on. It's, It's been an absolute honor to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Remember, in closing, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com banking Put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside. 
Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on the moneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated, and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.